and welcome to another episode of Boundless Body Radio. I'm your host, Casey Ruff, and today we have another amazing guest to introduce to you now. Nicole Laurent has been a licensed mental health counselor in Washington State for over 15 years. Her current practice focuses on helping her clients with anxiety, depression, and other mental health issues, transition to a ketogenic diet, or leverages other nutritional therapies to complement their psychotherapy work. She holds several specialized training certifications, allowing her to work with underlying biological factors in mental illness. Nicole works with clients via telehealth and helps people explore medication-free options for their mental health, using research and evidence-based nutritional and functional psychiatry so that people can get their lives back without side effects or dependence on Big Pharma. In 2021, she created MentalHealthKeto.com, a website devoted to educating people about ketogenic diets for mental health and neurological issues. You can find her all over social media, spreading the good news about keto as an option to treat mental illness. Nicole Laurent, what an honor it is to welcome you to Balanced Body Radio. Thank you. Thanks for having me today. Absolutely. Um, when I first saw your picture, I just knew that you were endlessly cool. I thought they were blue light blocking glasses, um, but you corrected me later and said they might not be blue light blocking glasses, but they are orange. Um, you said they, they helped you see things a little bit brighter when the sun wasn't around since it's a little gloomy where you are. Um, they're also heart shaped. <laughs> they're heart shaped, which is super cool. And you were wearing a mindful AF shirt. And I, I want to say there was like a llama or something on it. Like just the yeah. pure, pure straight up, just cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yeah, no, I, uh, I, I, I have a, that picture. Um, I, I like it. And I showed a lot of my therapist friends that picture and they were somewhat horrified that I was going to just kind of use that. Like, <laughs> like, no, Nicole, let's get you a real headshot. I'm like, no, no, that, that doesn't suit me. So yeah, I'm glad you, I'm glad you get it. I'm I glad totally vibes with it. Yeah. I totally appreciate that. I'm so glad you're sticking your guns on that one. Um, sometimes yeah. it's just better to be ourselves and just trust that we're going to attract the right people rather than do what everybody else is doing all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's great. Well, super, super cool. Um, I would love to deep dive into this topic. Um, like I was just talking to you offline about, we've talked to a few other experts in the field um, that are doing this kind of thing, changing mental health with the diet, which you really wouldn't think those two things are related and they totally are. Um, so I definitely want to deep dive into that with you. But first of all, I just want to know, how did you get to where you are today, believing that you know a, a ketogenic diet could possibly help mental illness? Yeah. So, um, I had, uh, you know, everybody I think who ends up trying to help other people with ketogenic diets have their own like history of some kind of illness or something that got better with them. So mine was that, um, I had some neurological stuff going on and I also had, um, just worsening health, um, you know, and not having feeling mysteriously tired all the time, um, feeling a lot of brain fog, really having a lot of memory issues and, and that sort of thing. And I had gone to functional medicine, um, spent hundreds and hundreds of dollars every month on supplements, did what they were telling me to do, had all the expensive testing, and I still just felt really bad. And I kept thinking, oh my gosh, how bad would I feel if I wasn't doing this stuff, right? Wow. How old were um, you at the time? And, oh, probably I started, I started to get um, neurological pain in my early thirties. Wow. Um, and so there was like a good span of 10 years there where I was, I was in graduate school, but I was not functioning. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, I look back at my old self. I'm like, wow, you were you really were, I had a great supportive husband and I could have never done it at the same time, but 
Um, but I'm like, wow, I can't believe I made it through my graduate program as well as I did with going through all the things that I was going through health wise at that time. Wow. Crazy. So then, yeah, it was crazy. And, um, so then I, you know, I, you know, I, I, I moved, it had a big move. I moved from Issaquah, Washington to Vancouver, Washington. And, um, I, I, started a uh, list. I stopped seeing my functional medicine person because she was just far away and it wasn't working anyways. Uh, for me anyways, functional medicine is fantastic for a lot of people and, and is life changing, but for whatever was going on with me, it was just not doing the trick. So then I somehow, uh, came across some podcast somewhere or a YouTube video. I don't know. And they started talking about the ketogenic diet and I didn't have diabetes or anything. And that's what they usually would talk about, you know, a few years ago, that was the main topic. But, um, but they kept talking about all the underlying things that ketones treat. Um, and they talked about it with Alzheimer's and they talked about it a little bit with, you know, different neurodegenerative issues and memory. And I started thinking, wait a minute, I have some of those issues. I have some of those problems. So, you know, maybe, maybe I'm going to try this. And so, you know, I listened to, you know, probably a few, like 50 podcasts on it and got my gumption up. And I tried it and I swear my brain energy just unlocked, my memory improved. And what's really funny was my, my mood improved a great deal. And I'm a therapist. I didn't even think I had anxiety. Like I thought I had like normal anxiety, you know, just going through life type of thing. But no, I didn't even realize that I had kind of like this low level anxiety all the time. That, and that just cleared up, you know, but I was functioning while I was seeing clients. I was teaching them, you know, different therapeutic modalities to handle anxiety. I used that stuff myself, you know, like, like, the, but the bar was low. I didn't realize that a brain could actually feel this much better. Wow. And so after I did that, I was like, wow, this stuff is amazing. But, you know, I didn't really talk about it because, um, you know, the standard of care is medication and therapy, medication and therapy. So it wasn't even like anything. I, I mean, I would tell my friends and I have some great friends that just happen to be therapists and they're like, wow, that's amazing. You know, Nicole, but you know, it's, it was really scared. I was kind of scared for a few years to talk about it or to bring it up because it's just, it's, it used to be considered such a fringe thing. Um, and in the world of therapy, it's, it's really a taboo topic because in therapy, we deal with eating disorders mm. and the current standard of care for eating disorders is there can be absolutely no restriction or you are potentially causing eating disorders in people, even people who, yeah, I mean, it's very, very, you know, it's psychology based. It's the idea that if there's restriction, there's going to be anxiety around the restriction or controlling behaviors around the restriction. Um, and so, and so here, you know, it seems very counterintuitive to recommend ketogenic diets, which are now actually are potentially being recommended. Like there's some randomized controlled trials for binge eating disorder, for example, I believe going on and there are already published case studies, but anyway, so, so as soon as you in the therapy world say, Hey, there's this diet, it really, really improves mental health and anxiety. Oh no, 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 no. You cannot do that. That is going to cause an eating disorder. <laughs> and there's this huge disconnect between 
clinical psychology that treats eating disorders and the actual literature about nutritional biochemistry and the effects of highly processed foods and how those hijack brain functioning, right? Wow. But we're not like marrying those two at all. So anyways, I I was really nervous. Sorry, I went on a tangent there. I was really nervous about sharing it. But you know, like I'd get like these middle-aged ladies in my practice and I treat them for trauma and they still had anxiety. And, you know, they're telling me about their diet and I just know they're hyperglycemic or they already have diabetes. And finally, I just started bringing it up. Hey, I heard about this thing. It works really well, right? And a few of them did it and they got better. Like, oh my gosh, someone should have told me about this 20 years ago, right? And then, um, so I went, kept kind of doing my thing and bringing stuff up and bringing in nutritional factors into my, practice. And then I finally just recently did a clinician training with Georgia E about ketogenic diets for mental health and mental illness um, and neurological disorders. And I think that sitting in there with all those other clinicians that were doing what I was already kind of secretly, you know, kind of scaredly afraid someone's going to take my license doing, um, gave me the confidence to be like, okay, that's it. I'm doing it. And I'm going to be really out there about it. And I'm going to be, um, I'm just going to educate. And so then I started my blog and now I'm, you know, I still work with all the people for all the different things, like most therapists do nowadays and counselors, but I'm, uh, working towards kind of, um, using that very specific skill set that I have with ketogenic diets and mental health. Wow. That's really amazing. Cool people know how to find other cool people. I think you and Georgia Ede hanging out is like perfect. She is rad. Isn't she? <laughs> Such yeah. Such an amazing she's, human. She's the nicest person. Yeah. yeah so amazing. Yeah. That's fantastic. It's ironic about the restriction thing because I can certainly understand like if you didn't, if you didn't know what it was and you just like kind of followed like the magazine tabloids, you would just think like, oh, you're restricting an entire food group if you do this ketogenic diet when really it's like one of the most like, like unrestricted diets you can eat. You can eat a lot of food if you want on a ketogenic diet and almost never feel restricted. And so I get it. It's just kind of mm -hmm. ironic that, you know, it's, a, it's also a diet that doesn't really require you to like count calories or, you know, grams of fat that you're consuming, um, to be following the diet. So in, in that sense, it's not really all that restrictive. It's really amazing yeah. that you were able to find all that. If, if, if this diet were a pill, it was a pharmaceutical would, would, the psychiatric um, world just, just lose their minds. If this diet was a pill, like if, if, oh, if there was like a medication, like if there was a medication that did what oh. this diet could do, would, would oh this, gosh. it would just would completely, you know, change the industry. Oh my gosh. We don't have uh, there. We don't have medications that do what the ketogenic diet does. Period. We have medications that that try to zero in on one specific thing, but it, you know, like I want to make more serotonin, you know, I want someone to have more serotonin available in their synaptic cleft of their, of their neurons so that it can do its effects longer. Right. So we'll, we'll do things like that. And there's been like dopamine reuptake stuff and norepinephrine. And so we just keep trying to come at it without those types of things. And we can, and the whole, and it's, so inadequate. Like, like, can we just stop talking about psychopharmacology as though it has saved everyone? Because it has not. I am sorry. Taking 
taking a lot. I mean, like if you like your medication, that is fine. I am happy for you. I am happy you are alive because of it. I am happy that you are functioning at a level that you feel is okay because of it. I, I am, I am joyous that you are doing well if you are on psychotropic medication. But we need to really acknowledge the fact that there are millions of people on psychotropic medications because it is the standard of care that are not well. They are emotionally flat. They are having sexual side effects. They don't feel good. The medications are not working well. They have a lot of prodromal symptoms, you know, like a, someone with bipolar, you know, great. I'm, I'm lithium's fantastic. Um, or, you know, however they keep the mania down, but they're still suffering with a lot of the depressive symptoms because we don't, we don't have psychopharm that works really well for that for people. And when, when people are on psychopharmacology, Often, and, and anyone who's been on this knows, they're like, oh, it works pretty well for a few weeks. And then there's some kind of adaptation that happens. And then people are getting medications for the side effects from the medications. <laughs> and we have to talk about what those medications do. I mean, we haven't talked about micronutrients yet and, and how they're needed to do things like make serotonin in the first place. But we're also not talking about you know, the, the nutrient depletion that happens as a result of being on medications. And one of the worst offenders of nutrient depletion are, you know, psychotropic medications, um, you know, antipsychotic medications deplete nutrients terribly, um, ADHD medication stimulants deplete nutrients terribly. There's lots of other medications that many of us go on right away, like, you know, hormonal birth control, a lot of the ladies, you know, and then they start getting other symptoms with their mood. A lot of that might not be hormones. It might just be straight up micronutrient depletion because the doctors do not supplement the micronutrients that they know are being depleted, that are being documented in the literature because of the huge disconnect and this huge worship of medications as the way to treat mental illness. And I am telling you, dietary therapy and ketogenic therapies in particular are such a better treatment for mental illness than I think most of the, most of the medications. Um, and you know, don't, don't come after my license, big pharma, because this is my opinion, but I think it is so superior in some, because it affects so many different pathways in so many different ways. And if you're trying to affect multiple pathways using multiple medications, you are going to have multiple nutrient deficiencies that then set that person up to develop really awful chronic diseases, right? And so, so yes, dietary therapy is so superior to psychopharm. And I'm so sorry that nobody has told people this. Wow. Um, and I'm so sorry that so many clinicians are terrified to talk about it. Like I think about Chris Palmer and every video he does, he's like, okay, but this, this is the standard of care. And I, and I, I know he believes that. And I know, I know that, um, I know that I know, and I, I think, or I resonate with him when he says that, because it is, it is such a strong social vibe that if you suggest anything other than medication, you don't get it you're, you're minimizing their symptoms. 
I don't think you understand. I am really sick. I am really mentally ill. I need my medication. So anyone who says anything other than medication, 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 and maybe some therapy as an afterthought is somehow anti-treatment, which is not the case at all. So yeah, that's my thoughts on that. Wow. Are you passionate about this at all? Uh, sorry. <laughs> I love this. No, this is, it, it's infectious. I, I can tell how important this is by the strength of your voice when you're talking about this. It's incredible. And I just think I almost put it like with kind of cancer treatments where it's like, I'm not going to go out and tell people, you know, don't do radiation, don't do chemotherapy. You know, you, you should do those things. You should follow your doctor's advice. And, and you're right. Like maybe there is a role for certain medications, but even if, if diet was just an adjunct, if it was just something to kind of help things along if nothing else like yeah this could absolutely cure you but if nothing else like it's going to help improve a lot of things and you probably won't be diabetic and you can be really you know satiated and full yeah. with food that you've never experienced in your life you might improve your digestive issues your skin health like so many other things could also <laughs> improve yeah. and and if yeah. this is so much more valuable than any medication it's it's bananas that nobody's talking about it more yeah Wow. Yeah. And I think part of my passion comes from, I resent the social pressure on my profession to shut up about it. That is what, I think that is what makes me angry. Um, and I think that is why I just, I, I think that's why I do talk about it the way I do is that, um, you know, how, how dare you, how dare you in try to influence what I know is actually very, very helpful for people or that I've seen like the therapists and the, you know, the nutritional psychiatrists and the functional psychiatrists that use this diet for mental illness have just seen miraculous recoveries. And for there to be some kind of professional pressure for us to shut up about that and to just continue with the standard of care, I resent, it makes me angry actually. Um, and, and so, yeah, I just decided I'm not going to shut up about it anymore. And if I get in trouble, I get in trouble, but I think that, I think that people need to know that this is, a, a, this isn't, we don't have a lot of RCTs, but we do have some, and we have been studying the underlying mechanisms of ketones for a very long time. We do know quite a bit. And so this is evidence-based. Like when I made my blog, I was like, okay, you know, Georgia has her diagnosisdiet.com, which is super cool. Everyone should check that out. And Chris Palmer has his and his, you know, he talks a lot about bipolar disorder and schizophrenia. And I was like, how am I going to do this? What do I want to do with this? And so what I did is I thought, okay, so what do ketones do? So I did some research on that. I was like, okay, so there seems to be like, they do a lot. But kind of the four main ones that, you know, that they do is something called glucose hypometabolism. They, they fix that. They help brain energy. They're great for neurotransmitter imbalances. Um, they, they reduce inflammation and they reduce oxidative stress. And I was like, okay, well, gosh, I wonder if that happens in all these different diagnoses that I'm always treating, right? And yes, they do. They absolutely do. Like there's different flavors, right? So like neurotransmitter imbalances look different between panic disorder and depression, right? But, uh, but they still exist and ketogenic diets have mechanisms 
um, you know, they're signaling bodies. They're able to turn genes on and off. They're able to do all kinds of stuff. So they have mechanisms that help with neurotransmitter imbalances. So even though I don't have RCTs for panic disorder, even though I don't have RCTs for social anxiety, even though I don't have the gold standard of RCT, and quite frankly, why would I wait for RCTs? My gosh, people are in pain now, right? That's right. Like right now, am I going to wait 20 to 30, you know, I don't know, 15, 20 years? There's no money in ketogenic research. This is not big pharma driven. So there's a chance if I wait, these people are going to suffer for 10 or 15 more years, hoping, you know, this is, this research is going to get out. I don't think that's going to happen very fast. Wow. So, so yeah. So, the, you know, even though I don't have RCTs for these things, there is RCTs for alcohol use disorder, by the way, and Alzheimer's um, and soon binge, binge eating disorder, I believe. But even though I don't have them for these specific disorders does not mean that there is not an evidence base for the use of a ketogenic diet in treating them. Mm. And that is the bridge that I'm trying to kind of help people see. So when I write a blog post about panic disorder, for example, or social anxiety or PTSD, I'm going to, I'm doing research on that particular disorder. I'm identifying what of those, what of those four factors and a few extra like brain derived neurotrophic factor, that sort of thing. Uh, but gut biome is sometimes, you know, is, is very important in whatever disorder I'm researching. I look at, say, see what, what identifying pathological mechanisms has the research found? Okay, great. I got it. And then I look at the ketogenic diet. I look at the, where that's shown to, uh, to help those things. And then I put those two together in a blog post. And I say, this is why this might help. And here's the evidence. And these blog posts are rich. I don't know if you got a chance to look at them, but they oh, yeah. are rich with peer-reviewed research. I am not making this stuff up, people. I'm not some crazy quack who's like, oh, I really like this diet and it was great for me and I think you should use it. No, this is evidence-based. I'm going into the research. I'm researching what the disorder is. And then I'm looking to see what factors the ketogenic diet can help with that. And, um, and that's what I'm doing. That's amazing. This is how I got into this kind of space as well. Like, you know, when I became a nutrition coach, they gave me a big textbook and I had to pass this test and I have to recommend that people are eating lots of whole grains and vegetables and, you know, limiting their fat and, you know, their portion controlling their meals and got to make sure there's three meals and three snacks. And I would, I would give that to people who are paying me money to get results and it's not working. And it just, continues mm -hmm. to not work and not work and not work. So I'm sitting around blaming all my clients for being really bad at pulling off this diet They're throwing away food at the end of the week. They can't meal prep all this stuff. But then all of a sudden we, we start to see people who are doing ketogenic diets. They're losing fat. We're seeing it on the scale, measuring body fat. They're losing pure fat. They're not losing, you know, muscle mass. They're not losing water weight or bone density or anything else. Like, what mm -hmm. do you want? What do you want me to do? when I've got case studies, I've got people who are paying me yeah. to lose fat. I don't, I, it's like you, I'm not waiting around for randomized controls trials, like screw whatever I have to do to pass this test to be a nutrition coach. I'm going to give my people what they want. And that's low carbohydrate meal plans that are extremely mm -hmm. simple and easy and tasty. And they love them and you lose fat and you drop your blood sugar and you're never hungry. And it's incredible. And that's, I, so I, I can so much relate to that feeling of like, I can't 
unsee this and I have to share this with the world. And I definitely want to talk about ketones in the brain and what the mechanisms are, um, like you were mentioning, but I do want to set the stage a little bit. Can you tell us exactly what a ketone is? Most people, you know, see keto again, like on a magazine at the store while they're, you know, waiting to pay for their groceries. And, you know, maybe they just think of like like stacks of bacon or drinking butter in their coffee or something. Can you tell us, you know, what is a ketone itself? How, and what conditions need to exist for one to be, you know, made and, and present in a certain amount in the body? Yeah. Yeah. So ketones, they're, they're a little bit magical. Um, so ketones are both a fuel and a, and a molecule signaling body. Um, and so to make ketones, you can, uh, you have to, first of all, you have to have your carbohydrates low enough. And when we're doing ketogenic diets for mental health for specifically, like we're not playing, they have to be really, really low because we want those ketones to be high enough to fuel and repair the brain. Right. Um, and so anyways, I won't be mental illness specific, but yeah, you have to have a low enough amount of carbohydrates, which will then reduce your insulin. And once your insulin is nice and low, your body will start to make ketones. Now it can make ketones from the dietary fat that you eat. So those butter coffees or those MCT oil coffees or whatever, or, you know, uh, heavy cream or, you know, all all the tasty stuff. Um, or it can unlock your body fat and burn your body fat and create ketones from those. And the ketones have a lot of Uh, like I said, signaling properties, they turn genes on and off. And that's just kind of the most simplest way to talk about what a ketone is. Yeah, no, I love that. Thank you for that really clear explanation. And thank you for making the distinction between the two, because this might determine how you want to approach a ketogenic for yourself. If you're approaching it from the mental health side, you may want to consider adding copious amounts of fat or really ketogenic, you know, um, medium chain triglycerides in the diet to help drive those numbers up. Or maybe you're taking, you know, salts or esters or, or anything like that. Um, But if you're trying to lose weight, you may approach it a little bit differently and say, okay, once I'm in a ketogenic state, maybe I'm going to eat a little bit less of the fat so I can burn my own fat that I've already stored previously by eating sandwiches for 40 years or whatever it is. So I'm I'm really (laughs) glad you made that distinction. I love that you talked about ketones being signaling molecules. It's not just a fuel source. They actually tell the body to do so many interesting things. Let's Let's go to your area of expertise. What happens in the brain? Because we know, everybody knows, everybody says the brain cannot run on fat. It has to run on glucose. I I hear that and I get so frustrated. You talk about what is going on in the brain when ketones are available. Yeah. So, so yes, there are some itty bitty areas of your brain that require glucose to work. And there are parts of your body that will store glucose, like muscles and, and a couple of the organs. But you make all the glucose you need in your liver. It's a substrate that your body monitors. And I think, quite frankly, wants to monitor, right? We can only handle like a teaspoon of glucose in our blood at any one time. And That's your right. body works really, really hard to keep your blood glucose at that level. So, so it has a mechanism by which it makes glucose when glucose isn't around. Um, and it keeps it constantly there. 
And there are just a few parts of your brains that absolutely must use glucose. But my goodness, you do not need to eat them. You don't need to eat glucose in order to get glucose to your brain. That's right. Okay. So that's the first piece is to understand that carbohydrates are a non-essential macronutrient. You will accidentally get some in animal flesh and eggs. They'll just be a teeny tiny amount, you know, that sort of thing. There's a little bit in some high fiber vegetables, but, but really it's, 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 it's an accidental consumption. Your body does not need a lick of carbohydrates. I promise you, I know that's a super scary thing to say if you've never heard this before, but it is a non-essential macronutrient. Your liver through gluconeogenesis will make all the glucose that your brain needs, okay? We do not want our brain awash in glucose. That does not make our brain happy. That increases inflammation exponentially all through the body, particularly the brain. So yeah, we want to keep that glucose low. Okay, so there are inflammatory pathways and pathways is kind of a fancy biochemistry term. Um, and, and again, I am, I am no fantastic biochemist. So, uh, but the, the idea is that you have these pathways and they get turned on when there is some kind of environmental stressor, that environmental stressor can be a whole grain sandwich. If you already have insulin resistance and your body cannot clear that blood glucose out of your bloodstream fast enough, that's a huge metabolic stressor. It can be environmental toxins. It can be, you know, almost getting hit by a car when you cross the street, right? Any type of really strong environmental stressor, uh, or, uh, toxin or, or whatever assault, we'll say any kind of environmental assault will uh, cause an inflammatory pathway to, to be uh, cascading, right? It'll turn that, turn that on. Well, and we don't want inflammation. There are few things, I mean, all these mental illnesses that I've been kind of deep diving in, my gosh, inflammation is a primary thing for all of them. Uh, you know, if, you're, if you're gut, you've got leaky gut and your gut is unhealthy, that's also a huge inflammatory piece that will cause issues. But anyway, so ketones are signaling bodies. So they will literally turn genes on and off in that signaling pathway for inflammation. Ketones reduce the signal, signals for chronic inflammation, which will then reduce neuroinflammation, which will then improve your mental illness that you are suffering from. And that is just one of the things that ketones do. Uh, the other thing that happens is that, um, you know, as we get, as we've eaten our really high carbohydrate diet from childhood on, we develop a certain amount of something called insulin resistance. And that just means that our bodies have had way more than that one tablespoon of glucose to deal with all these years. And insulin resistance develops. And what that means is that insulin cannot push the energy or the glucose into the cells for energy anymore very well. And so it takes it a lot. It has to, insulin has to go much, much higher in order to finally clear that glucose and cells become resistant to it. It actually breaks the transporters uh, for lack of a, a better way to kind of explain it. And so that happens in people's brains and that happens, you know, 
to some extent in people's ovaries with PCOS, right? But we're focused on the brain today. So, so people will start to have an energy crisis in the brain and not even know it. Um, and so what, what that looks like is more brain fog, problems with memory, and this can happen. This insulin resistance in the brain can happen as in your, in your early thirties. That's crazy. Yeah. It can happen in your early thirties and you'd be like, Oh, you know, I'm forgetting things more. It's not a big deal, but it is a big deal. And you need to pay attention to it because what it's doing is it's setting the stage for future Alzheimer's and dementia. Alzheimer's is called, uh, the third diabetes. It's like diabetes of the brain. Um, and so, so yeah, that's the thing. So ketones are this amazing fuel for the brain. And even though there's parts of your brains that use glucose for fuel, because they just have to fire faster than other, you know, other parts, your brains, your brain loves ketones and they don't even need a receptor. They don't need like a specialized receptor the way glucose does. They can get all broken machinery, right? And um, they just go right on in there and they're just instant fuel. Your mitochondria absolutely love them. Mitochondria are these little batteries in your cells, in your neurons, and they make energy. And you have got to have a lot of mitochondria and you've got to have healthy mitochondria. And so these ketones are not just fuel and uh, make, they actually upregulate how many mitochondria you have and the health of your mitochondria. And when you increase your brain energy to that level, what that means is that your body can repair cells. So if you have had a high, you know, a hyperglycemic or, a, you know, a high carbohydrate diet for many, many years or whatever, or you've got leaky, you probably got leaky gut from all that, you know, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. So you've got, let's say you've got a, a really bad case of neuroinflammation and you, and, and there's a lot of damage that happens with constant neuroinflammation and a, and a lack of micronutrients that you need in order to repair, but you also need that energy component, right? Because that's hard work to repair cells, um, and to keep them clean and to keep reactive oxidative species down and all that good stuff. Like that's a, that's a big job. And so ketones provide this really clean burning fuel in the brain and it upregulates that energy. So, so you start to get out of that deficit, that brain damage deficit that happens with constant long-term neuroinflammation um, and, you know, that oxidative stress. Wow. And so, yeah, like I could go on about ketones all day. I like hope you that's do. what I'm saying. <laughs> but the, but that's what I'm saying. That's why, that's why I get so frustrated that we're like, oh, drugs, drugs, pharma, pharma. I'm sorry, pharma does not do this, right? So there's some anti-inflammatory properties to uh like SSRIs, for example. They have a little bit of an anti-inflammatory effect. And quite frankly, I kind of feel like that's mostly the most benefit from them, but there's way better ways. Like the other thing that ketones do are they upregulate your endogenous in your body production of an antioxidant system of glutathione. And glutathione is one of, you know, right next to melatonin, which it actually helps with that too in a different way. But glutathione is like a fantastic fantastic antioxidant. I am sorry, throw away your vitamin C, get rid of your vitamin E. You don't even need that if you don't need a lot of seed oils. 
and just upregulate your own body's natural antioxidant system. And it is an amazing healing force for your brain. And ketones upregulate that. That's absolutely amazing. You're putting on a clinic right now. I love this. This is so important. It's so important for people to hear. This is why I really appreciate the work of, I want to say it was George Cahill, like back in the 60s, mm-hmm. where I don't I don't even know if you could pull off these studies anymore, but my favorite study, I, I, I love looking at the graphs that show like a person in a fed state and they fast them basically, I want to say for like 40 days, and it shows the different stages where people's cells actually adapt. And the reliance on glucose when the person started was about 100%. And as it, you know, went on and the, the person went, or people went into deeper and deeper states of ketosis, the, the, the need for carbohydrate was a small part of the brain, like you mentioned, um, red blood mm-hmm. cells, which always need glucose and parts of the kidney, which again, through gluconeogenesis, you can make that small amount of carbohydrate that you need. And, and you see, you see so clearly on the graph, the brain is actually preferring the ketones. It likes it better. Like you explained, I think that's so important to understand. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. So many great reasons, um, to be in the state and, and also like thinking about it from an evolutionary lens, I like to think of it the way Dave Champion explained it to me, where he said, there's a state of uh, ketosis and there's this state of glucosis. And if you think the way we would have evolved, there's no way we could have been evolving, relying on a fuel source that is really, you know, rare, unstable, seasonal, and it doesn't Mm -hmm. provide, you know, long lasting energy. It's really quick. We would have always evolved in a ketogenic state. We see that in babies. That's why babies. Babies are so big when yeah. they're born. Yeah. Brain yeah, health. No, absolutely. They need to develop yeah, that brain, brain outside of, of the womb, uh, unlike any other animal. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So the cool. other thing ketones do that's kind of, that's interesting that a lot of people um, maybe don't think about it, and the link that it has with neuroinflammation is that it, it, bal- it helps balance the immune system, right? So ketones have an effect on, on the immune system. In fact, there was a study, or, or not a study, there was a peer-reviewed article talking about those mechanisms and talking about early on how maybe it would be helpful for COVID, right? To, to put people who are suffering on a, on a ketogenic diet kind of right away to try to use those immune modulator mm. uh, pieces that ketones provide. And that's really important because neuroinflammation is fed by inflammatory cytokines. So, so let's say, you know, like when you have the flu and you're like, Oh, I'm sick. I don't, Oh, I don't, I'm going to sit down. I don't want to do anything. Right. Like you just, you just like, they call that sickness behavior. That's a sickness behavior. And what's happening. The reason why you just suddenly get floppy and want to watch TV and not move a muscle is because your immune system in your body has communicated with your immune system in your brain. And your brain's immune system then starts to send out these inflammatory cytokines. And um, and that tells you to, to be floppy and to not have motivation to do anything and to just sit still. Like, we need to sit still so you can heal. Mm. Gosh, that sounds a lot like depression, doesn't it? Yeah. Easily overwhelmed. You don't want to get off the couch. Nothing sounds good, right? So ketogenic diets, um, ketogenic diets modulate the immune system. That's another way. So yes, they're signaling bodies. They're going right after those inflammatory pathways, but they're also modulating the immune system in such a way 
that it can balance and not overreact to things. And so when you get people who have autoimmune disorders, right, and their immune system is just constantly elevated and is constantly sending that inflammatory cytokine system going crazy with those microglial up there, like, like these can be really, really helpful. So that's just another piece that that some people don't know that I think is really helpful. Yeah, that's fantastic. No, the weekend the world blew up in 2020, I was at Low Carb Denver in a room full of all these people who are studying ketogenic diets, low carb diets, whatever. And, you know, anecdotally, mm-hmm. everybody in the room just kind of like knew that they hadn't really, nobody's been sick. Like they don't get sick anymore. They used to get seasonal flus and all this stuff. And we certainly discussed a few papers that talked about ketogenic diets and, and flu in particular, mm-hmm. but just anecdotally, you just walked around and people were like, well, I, I mean, I'm going to be careful, but I, I also don't think I'm going to get really sick with this because I never get sick with anything anymore as long as I eat this way. So I think that's a, I think that's a really, really good point. Um, you know, it's true what they say about, you know, type three diabetes. You mentioned that I think hopefully at this point, you know, there's enough people out there that kind of should know that, that low carbohydrate diet should help with things like dementia and Alzheimer's. There was that famous clock test. Um, and I'm going to forget the doctor's name who put her husband on it. Her husband was suffering with really severe, um, Oh, Newport, Newport, Mary Newport. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, and she, I think he was suffering with Alzheimer's if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And it yep. was a 30 day test where she, all she was doing was adding coconut oil to his oatmeal. And you see the results mm-hmm. from just simply drawing a clock and, and you know, the clock he drew on day one doesn't look anything like anything really it doesn't look not, yeah. not at all. And by 30 days, it, it certainly was passable. I looked way, mm-hmm. way different. So I think, I, I think we can appreciate that a little bit more, especially if you're in the low carb space, what things surprised you? Like, like, were there things like anxiety, depression, other things that you didn't, you know, immediately think a ketogenic diet would help that ended up helping a lot? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so I, I would, the way I kind of used it in my practice. So, you know, people would come in with anxiety and depression. Not everyone was on meds. Um, we would be doing psychotherapy, cognitive behavioral therapy is fantastic, dialectical behavior, behavior therapy, um, EMDR, be, you know, behavior therapy, all the, all the evidence-based therapies, we're doing them all. And then, you know, we would, we would talk about nutrition as a component for all the hard work that they are doing. And, um, and so sometimes people would need a ketogenic diet to, to, you know, in place of medications, you know, they were, they wanted, they didn't want medications, um, or they had had medications in the past and they decided the side effects were awful or that they were sensitive or they didn't like them. And they were already looking for alternative treatments. So sometimes we would use, uh, like a broad spectrum micronutrient therapy. Sometimes we would just supplement some certain vitamins that I kind of, you know, after doing a dietary analysis, I'm like, oh yeah, you're low on this. We better do that. Um, and so, so I don't do ketogenic diets with everybody, but I haven't seen, I haven't seen any that hasn't for people who do it consistently or semi-consistently, because everybody, when, when you do a ketogenic diet for mental illness, your carbohydrates have to be very, very low for a while, right? Later you might, as your brain heals, I do see people's carbohydrates go up a little bit. So they might go from 20 to 30 total grams, not net, total grams of carbohydrates to, you know, maybe 50 to 60 total grams of carbohydrates a day, uh, a day, 
and still stay in ketosis. And I think that's from the healing properties um, and the neuroprotective effects that kind of happen. But I haven't seen for the people who have been like, yes, I love how I feel on this. I'm going to stay on this. Oops, there was a piece of cake, but I'm just going to get back on. It's okay. For those people, I haven't seen, I haven't seen a disorder that doesn't seem to respond to it at all, honestly. Wow. Um, I do have people though that, you know, like I said, you know, part of it is uh, you know, the micronutrient depletion from a lot of medications. Some it's it's the nutritionally devoid processed foods, um, inflammatory factors, you know, types of things. And some people don't need a ketogenic diet. Like if you come see me, I'm not going to push a ketogenic diet on you, but I am going to evaluate your intake of foods. I'm going to figure out what micronutrients you're probably low on. And we're going to talk about how much sugar you eat and how much grains you eat and how that's, you know, I'm going to get a fasting insulin on you. We're going to see where you're at, your blood glucose. And maybe, maybe you don't want to do a ketogenic diet and that's okay, but let's at least get you on some kind of nutrient dense bioavailable whole foods diet. Like maybe you need to be on paleo for a while. And let's see if your depression gets better with that. And often it does. Um, but for some people, you know, that doesn't do the trick. Those carbohydrates are still too much of a metabolic stressor. They still drive inflammation too high. And we can see that on a blood test. Like your doctor can give you a high sensitivity, high sensitivity CRP test, and you can see what your level of inflammation are. There's lots of different inflammatory markers. Um, so I can show them, you know, show a client that like, look, this year we got something else going on. It might be your diet. It might be your environment, whatever. And that's where some of the functional psychiatry stuff comes in. But uh, not everybody has to be on a ketogenic diet, but, but boy, is it powerful. And I see it, I see it really deal with just about every type of treatment resistant disorder that I encounter in my office. Like I am not an anorexia clinic. We don't use ketogenic diets for anorexia. I have used them with clients wanting to use them for binge eating disorder and uh, bulimia. Um, I've used them with mild cognitive uh, decline and I've used them with early Alzheimer's, anxiety, depression, PTSD. Uh, I have several bipolar patients that that use them. Um, so yeah, I, to answer, sorry, that was a really long way to answer your question, but no, I haven't seen anything that doesn't kind of respond to it. That's crazy. What a crazy statement to say. And then again, as we you know talked about earlier, what about all of the other health benefits that extend outside the brain? I mean, did any of those surprise you? Yeah. So um, when I when I put people on this diet for mental mental illness, um, the carbohydrates are very, very low. And so because of that, a lot of people get, they lose weight. Like I tell them, like, we are not doing a quote, low carb diet because for you, a low carb diet might not do the trick. Although you might get great benefits to your mental health, just going on a plain old low carb diet. And there's lots of different levels of a low carb diet, right? It can be very, very low. Like I use with my patients, you know, 20 to 30 total grams a, a day. And it can be as much as a hundred net grams a day, which is, which is way more, right? If you're particularly athletic, it's still considered low carb. And so, um, for some people, 
they, you know, they don't need, they just go low carb and they lose some weight and, and it's great. But my patients tend to lose a lot of weight if they need to lose a lot of weight. And so I see them kind of melting before my eyes because I get to see my clients every week or every couple weeks. And so there's this, this kind of funny, funny, but good. Like they just, they're just kind of losing weight. It's just kind of coming off and they always want to come in and talk about that. <laughs> you know, that's <laughs> like what they're really excited about. I'm like, Oh no, let's make the other connections. You know, you didn't scream at your kids this week. You didn't start crying in traffic. Did you notice that? Hey, this, this difficult thing happened and you just took it in stride. That's different than it would have been a month ago, isn't it? Mm. Right. And so they're really excited about the diet. And, and so that's what I see. So I see, I see reversals of type two diabetes, uh, in my office all the time. I have, uh, education on, on, on diabetes. Um, so I'm comfortable talking with them about that. Um, yeah, Alzheimer's gets better, but we would expect that, but yeah, skin conditions tend to improve. Uh, the other thing that really improves a lot, everybody has pots nowadays. Have you heard of the pots yeah, yet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's this, yeah, everybody is passing out or getting dizzy with pots. Um, and so I see that improve, which is, which is really counterintuitive because everyone's like, oh no, don't do keto because it's going to ruin your adrenals, right? It's a stressor. Not having carbs is a stressor. So it's going to upset your adrenals. And, um, you know, you're going to get adrenal fatigue or, or whatever. And so, uh, people are really nervous about doing ketogenic diets. If they have been to a functional medicine person and told that they have adrenal fatigue and POTS is often kind of lumped in with that. Right. Um, but I see that improve, which is really counterintuitive. I think it improves the sympathetic tone of the nervous system. Um, and for that reason, I see ketogenic diets is really, really helpful for POTS. So um, yeah, plus yeah. the increased salt intake is really helpful, but, um, but I, I don't think that's it. I think it's the ketogenic diet and what the effects it has on the nervous system. That's amazing. And I can just say anecdotally with the people I've worked with and myself personally, when I went low carbohydrate, my mood and my ability to deal with stress was so much better. It was never bad mm -hmm. and I've never had a disorder, but it was so much better. And when I went very heavy, um, carnivore, basically a zero um, carbohydrate diet where I was just eating meat and fat, it, it went up even more. I couldn't believe it. That was something I was not expecting and was really amazing yeah. to experience. So tell us a little bit about your practice and your website. You are prolific. Talk about blogs. Holy smokes. You write a lot of blogs and they are very well documented. Like you said, um, tell us a little bit about those and, and your website and how you're working with people today. Yeah. So, um, oh, before I do that, I want to throw one more thing in. Do we Please. have time just really quick? Yeah, of course. yeah. It's kind of a, it's a caution. So here's my, here's my caution because I know that people are going to be listening to this and they might get really excited and be like, oh my gosh, I'm doing a ketogenic diet. I'm, I'm already on medications, but I'm going to do it and I'm going to feel better. And I'm excited about it. And, and that is fantastic. But I want you to be very, very aware that because the ketogenic diet changes the way your brain works and makes your brain work better, that you might actually end up getting symptoms, worse symptoms. And if you get worse symptoms, it is not because of your ketogenic diet. It is because of something called potentiation effects. And what that means is that the, the medication dosage that you were on 
that that was what you quote unquote needed to feel better or even right is now too high because your brain works so much better on the ketogenic diet. And so about three to six weeks in, you might need your medications to be adjusted by your prescriber. Okay. So I want you to be careful of that. Before you do a ketogenic diet for mental illness, I want you to go online and I want you to print out the side effects of those medications and I want you to stick them on your fridge. And every day I want you to check in with yourself about whether you're getting those side effects. And if you're getting those side effects, I want you to make an appointment with your doctor um, and, and get and talk about adjusting your medications or the need to adjust your medications. So that is how powerful dietary therapy is. It is so powerful that your brain will work so much better that you have to adjust your medications. That is how powerful dietary therapy is for mental illness. You know what else is super powerful with that is like a broad spectrum micronutrient therapy. Like I'll put people just on a broad spectrum micronutrient therapy that just has really well, really good bioavailable high levels of vitamins because people, like I said, were so nutrient deficient. Like I can't even imagine like how I would explain how nutrient deficient we are because of our diets. And even people who move into keto do so probably thiamine deficient, chromium deficient, all kinds of stuff. But anyways, even vitamins, even really good quality vitamins can make your, uh, brain works so much better that you start getting these weird side effects. And you always think, ah, this vitamin's making me feel weird. I'm going to stop this vitamin. It is not your vitamin. It is, it is your medications. Go get them adjusted. Be careful, do it right. So that's the part that I just wanted to share because I didn't want anyone all willy nilly going for it because I totally would. Right. Yeah. But you know, they need to know that piece. Wow. That is so smart. I don't know why I never considered that. I knew that was the case for things like diabetes and blood pressure medications and things like that. I I never Mm -hmm. considered, um, that that would happen. That's amazing. And thank you so much, um, for saying that we really, really appreciate that. Yeah. So how I work with people. So I do telehealth only, um, at this point. And I like that because I can kind of work with anybody anywhere. If you're actually in Washington state, I am a licensed mental health counselor just in Washington state. And so you might be able to work with me and get it covered by your insurance for mental health. Um, and, but for people elsewhere, I just, it's just consultation. Um, and I work directly with prescribers and I try to coordinate care with prescribers uh, around, you know, those potentiation effects and blood tests and that sort of thing. Um, and so, yeah, that's how I'm working right now. I'm kind of, I'm developing some different learning, um, some different learning opportunities. So I'd like to figure out a way to work with more people. Cause when you work one-on-one, there's really just only so much time in the day to work with that, you know, only so many people. Um, and so I'm trying to figure out a ethical, and productive and helpful way to kind of educate people about nutritional therapies for mental illness, maybe, maybe an online course or something. I'm exploring that. So if anybody mm. wants to share with me what they want to learn about, um, they should go to my website, mentalhealthketo.com. And there's a contact me form and tell me what you want to learn about, because I am doing research for how to help people with that. And then there's also, uh, if you give, if you, 
if you throw me your email, there's also a great uh, little free ebook about ketogenic diets and stress hormones that you might find helpful. Um, and if you have any particular type of disorder, like you know you have panic disorder or you know you have alcohol use disorder, you might really enjoy the blog because there is probably a fairly in-depth post about how ketogenic diets can help you with your disorder. For the listener, listen to Nicole, go to the website. There are so many amazing resources and articles. It's very well put together. It's easy to figure out. I love the case studies of, of people's stories and, and the things that you are noticing and writing about. And that ebook is tremendous. That is also very well done, very helpful, very informative. I was really happy to receive it. It was, I thought, the perfect balance of being technical, but also easy to understand. And so again, for the listener, I just can't recommend Nicole's website enough. Make sure you go there for sure. Um, you have done such a great job with that. Are you, are you more optimistic that this message is going to get out to more people or are you more pessimistic that it's, it's, we're going to have too many people that can't, you know, talk about it the way that they want to, or they don't have the same level of, you know, gung ho that you do. That you're just going to tell everybody, anybody regardless. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that uh, I I'm, I'm so grateful for the pioneers, like the, the Chris Palmer and, uh, you know, all the, you, you know, all the people in the space, Georgia Ede, um, who have come forward and, and talked openly about this. And I am super excited about the randomized controlled trials coming out. And I, I think I am an optimist. And I think that I believe that as more and more randomized controlled trials come out and it will be very slow trickle, because like I said, there's not a lot of money to be made in teaching people to not eat so many carbohydrates. Um, in fact, the opposite, right? Big food's probably going to be really mad about this. Um, but I think they're going to trickle out. And I think, I think that it's going to become more and more accepted and more and more understood. And, uh, I think it's going to just improve. So I feel Good. like I'm at the beginning of something really cool that's about to happen. Good. That's great. That makes me feel better with things in science, when things come out and it's maybe like a new idea and explodes and it's big and exciting. And then over time people start to pour out cracks and there's weird, you know, things to it. it. It seems to be less and less true as you go and things that are really true. The more you talk about them, the more benefits you find and they become more and more true. The more we test them, the more case studies the more anecdote, all of it adds up to this mountain of evidence that you're right. I hope it becomes something that people just one day can't even, you know, deny anymore. Um, so right. I'm glad you're optimistic about it. I certainly hope we can share this message with a lot of people. This has been an amazing conversation, Nicole. If you had to hey. distill down one simple tip for our listeners that you would like them to take from this conversation and apply into their lives, what would that one simple tip be? Oh, one simple tip. I, I guess it's be curious, like be curious about why the narrative is you really have to be on medication. Be curious about, I mean, some people for sure, they need to be on medication, right? And, and Chris Palmer knows more about those populations than I do, but apparently that's not the case for everybody. Um, but be, be more curious, be more curious about all, all of this. So yeah, I can't really distill it down. I just keep thinking about all these people who um, they've been told they have a chronic mental illness. And I swear, anything that they can't make go away with a pharmaceutical is now labeled as a chronic illness, right? right? 
if, if we can, if we can't make the symptoms go away with our pills, then it's a chronic illness and you have this for life. Yep. And it just kills me because I know people take that into themselves and then they lower the bar. They lower the bar around what their functioning can be, what their parenting can be, all the things that, that they, sh- that they could be doing. The bar is lowered. Oh, I have this autoimmune issue. And that means I have to avoid stress and not challenge myself or do exciting things, right? Like whatever it, 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 it informs our sense of self. And this narrative that we all have these chronic illnesses that we have to take pills for the rest of our lives, I think is just so damaging. So be curious, question that. That's weird. We are made to function. We are made to thrive. And thriving is our birthright. And if something is getting in the way for that for you, and there is some narrative that makes that okay for you, then we need to be curious about that and explore that and possibly challenge it because that just might not be the case. Wow. That is so well explained. I love that, that be curious attitude. And it's so important because as you're right, it is your birthright. And when you see this society that is going through this low fat, high carbohydrate experiment and food pyramid experiment and you know, you see a lot of people that are very sick all around you and all of these things are becoming ubiquitous. It, it really looks like normal when all it is, is mm-hmm. average. It's just average. <laughs> the, the, the experiment yes. did not work and it made a lot of people very sick. And so I yeah. love your message that it is your birthright to thrive and have a good, healthy brain and body for the rest of your life. That's absolutely amazing. Yeah. Nicole, one more time, where would you like people to go to find you and connect with you and your work? Uh, mentalhealthketo.com, all one word. And you just go on there and go to the contact me form and send me a little contact form and I will email you back and we'll get you scheduled. That is amazing. It's so cool that you'd be willing to reach out to anybody who wants to contact you about this. Um, it's such an important topic and we're so grateful for you, Nicole Laurent, and everything that you've done, this message that you're sharing in such a, an excited and passionate way. Um, it's so infectious and I, I just absolutely know it's going to help a lot of people and these people you know, really need you. They're very much suffering and even the people that don't have, you know, diagnosed disease can benefit from this in some way. So thank you so very much Mm -hmm. for you and your work and everything you've done and being willing to share this and share it with us, with us today at Boundless Body. We really appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate the time. Absolutely. Such an honor. And this has been another episode of Boundless Body Radio. So thank you again so very much for listening to Boundless Body Radio. I can't thank you, the listener, enough. We are so grateful for you. 
this year, 2021, was amazing. We got to talk to so many amazing people around the world and got to learn so much from them. And we actually just passed 80,000 downloads worldwide, which I just, when I started this, could not even fathom that we could reach that many people with the message. And hopefully you have gotten a lot out of this, um, as, as have we. Um, as we start the new year, we just wanted to let you know about some of the resources that we offer at Boundless Body LLC. Please go to our website, which is myboundlessbody.com. That's myboundlessbody.com. You will see an option to book a complimentary 30-minute consultation with us so that we can discuss your goals with health and fitness and maybe help you create a plan for the new year. Bethany, my wife, also offers uh, virtual mat Pilates classes, which are absolutely amazing. They're very engaging and also very, very affordable. Those can be done live on Mondays and Fridays or also given out as a recording to do at your own convenience. We also offer training and meal planning services that are also done virtually from the safety of your own home. So if you want to avoid the busyness of a gym, we can help show you how to get really fantastic results at home with a very minimal amount of equipment. We've been doing it now for two years. We've gotten pretty good at it. So we are happy to show you that. Once again, that website is myboundlessbody.com. And if you are enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and review on Apple. It really helps um, get this passion project out to more people. So cheers to 2022. And thank you again for listening to Boundless Body Radio.